Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 119, verses 169 through 176. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your promise. My lips will pour forth praise because you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your promise for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let me live that I may praise you, and let your ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek out your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. 1 Kings chapter 13, verses 1-10 through 10. While Jeroboam was standing by the altar of Taal for incense, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel, and proclaimed against the altar by the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and he shall sacrifice to you, on you, the priests of the high places, who offer incense on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. He gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign that the Lord has spoken. The altar shall be torn down, and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. When the king heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him! But the hand that he stretched out against him withered so that he could not draw it back to himself. The altar also was torn down, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. The king said to the man of God, Entreat now the favor of the Lord your God, and pray for me, so that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him, and became as it was before. Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and dine, and I will give you a gift. But the man of God said to the king, If you give me half your kingdom, I will not go in with you, nor will I eat food or drink water in this place. For thus I was commanded by the word of the Lord, You shall not eat food or drink water or return by the way that you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way that he had come to Bethel. Romans chapter 3 verses 9 through 20 What then? Are we any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under the power of sin, as it is written, There is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who is understanding. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who shows kindness. There is not even one. Their throats are opened graves. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of vipers is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery are in their paths and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, 
so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Good morning and welcome to the 15th Monday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 119, 1 Kings 13, and Romans 3. Uh, in the King's reading, there's this unnamed prophet. Uh, and this prophet um, comes and declares, uh, he speaks to the altar, not, to, not directly to Jeroboam or uh, the people or any person. Uh, he speaks to the altar um, and talks about Josiah um, and <clears throat> he says that there's a sign that uh, that will show the the truth of what I'm talking about and that that is that the altar shall be torn down and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out and that struck me as a big deal. Um, these sacrifices that are made are, um, there's burnt offerings, but many other offerings and sacrifices are also burnt. Um, and, um, sometimes the meat is eaten by the priests. Um, sometimes it's not, but there's probably this big accumulation of ashes on the altar. I don't know offhand of any, you know, Old Testament you know, description of what happens, you know, how frequently you clean the altar. Um, and those ashes are probably pretty important. Um, I don't know that blood is ever washed off the altar. Um, and so it's this messy monolith um, that is uh, incredibly important to the ritual life and the spiritual life of, of Israel. And to pour out the ashes onto the ground strikes me as a big deal. I don't know why. Um, and I, I often, you know, these kind of little details often interest me because, um, or not because, but um, I think I, I notice them through this uh this kind of Ignatian practice of entering the text, like what would, what would you think of if you were there? Um, and it makes me think like, let's say there's, you know, Yom Kippur is coming up and uh, you sacrifice the, the two, uh, sacrifice the, the goat on the altar and that takes away, uh, along with the scapegoat, takes away the sins of the world and there's this blood. Um, what happens is the, the first goat is killed but before it's burnt, the priest then takes the second goat, puts his bloody hands on the goat's head, and puts all the iniquities and sins of the people on that goat, the scapegoat, and then sends the goat off into the wilderness. Um, and then he returns to the altar, burns the sacrifice, um, and then washes his hands, and that's the end of the Yom Kippur sacrifice. And so there's the blood of the goat and the ashes from it burning, I don't remember, I don't think the Yom Kippur goat is eaten. I'm sure the Passover uh, calf is, but anyway. Um, so the after seeing uh, this ritual and 
seeing the goat slaughtered and the blood placed on the goat's head, that blood is really important. And I imagine, I don't, as I said earlier, I don't know offhand of any, you know, interest in the Bible in the ashes. But even even if there aren't, as these things happen, I imagine in the community, those everything that touches the altar is holy or, or sure as shit feels holy or appears holy, as in set apart. Um, and to knock it to the ground, a place that, you know, maybe isn't always all that holy, um, seems to be a big deal. Um, and it's one of these little details where you don't, you don't, you know, the text doesn't say much about it, but it strikes me that there's something going on. And, you know, there's the, the prophet who's, uh, declaring the word of God and the king's hand gets withered and all that's fine and, and dandy. Um, but I want to know those little details. I want to know, like, wait, the altar was torn down and the ashes spilled on the ground, doesn't that? Doesn't that seem like a big deal? Um, and it's, uh, it, it strikes me that to ask those questions or the interest in those little things don't appear to often occur to people who do the rituals over and over, who have some amount of social power or influence. Um, you just kind of, the status quo, the expectation is just kind of, it's a given. It's benefited you. You got your little invisible knapsack. Um, but those those questions are left unanswered strike me as the kind of questions um, that you that you ask when you when you have nothing to lose if the status quo is kind of um, maybe not tossed turned over but like disturbed um, and it's the same kind of questions that you know I had in my mind when um, when I started thinking about you know, GI justice and civil rights for soldiers and veterans. Um, I asked myself, or after I learned of the employment protections for veterans under VEVRA, I then asked myself, well, what, what civil rights do veterans have? And apparently it's a question that not very many people have asked because nobody knows about hate crimes protections. Nobody seems to care that VEVRA, the, the employment protections, was called by Sandra Day O'Connor no law at all because it was written without any, you know, meaningful standard against which its its effectiveness could be judged. Um, and I I look around like, am I crazy? <laughs> because it's this very simple question that nobody seems to have asked um, that came out of this place of, you know, I have nothing to lose if I ask this question. And the more I asked the question, the people who benefited from the status quo really pushed back. Um, but it 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 feels akin to you know some you know regular Joe Schmo watching the sacrifices and the altar gets turned over and the blood's important, but the blood's probably like caked on there. Asking, oh, well, what about the ashes? Um, the the ashes have spilled on the ground, and uh, that seems like a big deal. And the, the prophet um, says the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. And that seems to be a, a, a word of warning um, against Israel, that these ashes are important. And I, I didn't you know, do a little search or commentary um, research before I, 
uh, began recording. That's not true. I did. I looked at um, Matthew Henry's commentary. But, um, you know, despite whatever training I've had, it's never occurred to me that the asses are supposed to be a big deal. And this unnamed prophet makes a point of, of saying the ashes will be poured out. Um, and he, and that warning is couched within this, you know, this wondrous sign of, you know, shriveling up the king's arm. And, um, the, the reading from Romans reflects the, the iniquity, uh, the, the bad place that Israel is in, um, such that the ashes appear to, to represent, you know, something holy being made profane. Um, and yet I don't know offhand that anywhere in the Bible seems to care about the ashes. Um, and it's these little questions that um, are asked by people unafraid of, of what they might uncover, um, typically, not always. Um, and it, of course, the, the, what the, the unspoken concern or criticism is, is that, you know, why haven't the people in power ever asked this question? Uh, why haven't there been some, and maybe there is, uh, that someone with two theological degrees is unaware of you know the, the importance of ashes, or whether or not there's some importance of ashes, implies to me, that same sem- former seminary student, uh, that there hasn't been much attention to it. Um, and yet, God is, I think, in the details. Um, uh, you know, if the devil is in the details, it's because we have short attention spans. Um, I, I do think that God is in the details, that God notices and God is concerned for the tiniest thing. You know, he's counted the hairs on your head and he knows whether or not, you know, a feather falls from a duck's back. Um, and if that's true, God is also aware and concerned with these little questions that unassuming people ask that, um, that haven't been asked before. Um, you know, that isn't to say that, um, that, uh, so all, all grunts ask that, but I think grunts are concerned with these seemingly trivial matters that, um, that they notice because they're close to them on the ground, in the dirt, on the front lines. And these little questions that we ask aren't always the same concern of those higher up the pecking order, uh, you know, further up the chain of command. Um, and often they should be. Um, clearly the, the prophet um, referenced the ashes as though they're important and that everybody should assume and have known that they were important. Um, the, um, the, notice, the, the attention to detail um, is only possible um, when you're, you know, you're kind of at the grassroots level because that's where the detail is, down there where the everyday um, is, you know, is in, the, is in these minute, micro-level kind of um, details and experiences. A Prayer for the Parish from the Book of Common Prayer Almighty and ever-living God, ruler of all things in heaven and earth, Hear our prayers for this parish family. Strengthen the faithful, arouse the careless, and restore the penitent. Grant us all things necessary for our common life, 
and bring us all to be of one heart and mind within your holy church. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in an episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, Always family. Semper Familia.